even if I am full time, a full time creative doing what I want to do, I still have to be very careful on what projects I take on. Because a company could say, hey, I'll pay you $5,000 to shoot this. But if it's something that I truly do not care about and I'm doing it for the money and it's a, a stress to me, then it's not worth it for me. I can very much, it's very easy to lose your passion once you learn how to monetize it. Welcome back to Have a Map where we talk all things career. I'm super excited to be here today. It is a little bittersweet. It's our intern's last day. So um, it's been a great group to go through COVID with. Um, uh, unfortunate time, but they made the best out of their situation and were able to band together um, and create bonds with their interns and then other people in the industry as well. So uh, I'm Mom Duenjai, as you know, host of the podcast, uh, founder of Demi Vent. Uh, today, I have as my co-host, Matt. Matt, say what up. Matt Matt got a, a very interesting story. So, Matt, um, introduce yourself. Say what's up to the people real quick. Yeah, so I'm Matt Ficori. So, I, I graduated college, and I was like, I got to get out of Chicago. Not because of any dislike towards Chicago, but it might be my last chance to, like, leave. So, I lived in Arizona for two and a half years and was thinking about moving back, looking for you know, a reason or opportunities, and then COVID. And I'm like, it's probably the safest thing to move back home right now. And then found the Dim Events internship that started that in Arizona uh, for about a month, month and a half, and then finished it in Chicago. So I've been here for a month and a half. Um, yeah, I do photo video with Dim until about 40 minutes from now when my official uh, intern status ends. So, yeah. You always be part of the Dim Events family. So <laughs> don't, don't ever about that. Today, our guest and who will be taking directions from skr, skr, uh, is Shalette. Shalette, say what's up. Can you give us a, a brief introduction of yourself? Absolutely. How's it going? My name is Aurel Shalette. Shalette is my brand name and my last name, and I am a Chicago-based cinematographer and director. I'm from Northern Virginia, and I moved to Columbia, to Chicago for Columbia College in 2013. And I graduated in 2017. I've been doing film, photography, and producing since then. Wow, that is so dope. And this is actually Shalette and I first time meeting one another. I like <laughs> doing podcasts like this, but it's really dope. Um, but yeah, just to get into it, right? We like to go super deep. So um, what would you say your impact is on the world? My impact on the world is 100% to take people's visions and, and put it out into the real world. People have ideas from all sorts of like places, whether that be they want to have a photo shoot for their brand, for their album, or they want to create a specific commercial for um, their ideas or to do a short film. So me as a visual artist, whether that be photography or cinematography is to always pull out people's ideas into its best light because right now, I mean, for a long time, we've been consuming so many things digitally and on the screen, especially now everybody's sitting at home looking at a screen. So my goal is to really contribute by putting people's ideas on screens and to be reached on any platform. 
So it's really, it's really just like taking things that I love from, you know, my love of movies and Netflix and shows and just anybody's idea, anybody has a story to tell and then just show that in a very like captivating way visually. So yeah, if you, if you, if that's what your goal is or that's what you love doing is putting people's ideas, what is your favorite idea you've pulled out of someone to give them a final product, whether photo, video, or, and what is maybe the most interesting one, if those are two separate? Man, favorite idea. There's so many, uh, so many products. I do a lot of music videos and different, I guess, like film stuff as well. I think, I think recently what I really enjoyed was this Chicago director, his name is Randis, and he knows nothing about really anything when it comes to film production, but he came to me with the idea alone. And it was so nice to see somebody who reminded me of my like high school days where I have my notebook, I'm thinking of all these cool things that I can create, but I don't know how to do it. And so I was worried, you know, I'm, you know, six, seven years into the industry working with somebody who's trying to like put out their first real film and to really work with them and give them that dream project. And the whole story was about, you know, West Side Chicago where a little boy starts off dribbling a basketball and then he passes the basketball and you do a whip pan and then somebody else grabs the basketball. And then the whole community starts dribbling the basketball through the uh, street and then they end up at a court. And the whole story is like, there's a wonder in all of us and there's, you know, positivity and, you know, a future in everybody and, you know, the Chicago uh, culture. So it was really nice to do like a positive message and do a film, something for like uh, super indie, but for the community. And that was like a really special uh, thing I did this year. No, I think that's really dope. Like, it's, it's very fascinating to me because I'm not a videographer by trade, but like, seeing how you can take someone's idea and place it into existence, right? That is like, mm -hmm. to me, a truly a blessing, right? For someone to have the vision to create something like that. Mm -hmm. So for you, where did all of this stem from? Where did this get started um, for, for you out in, uh, you said West Virginia? Is that Virginia. Virginia. Virginia, okay, okay. Normal Virginia, yeah. Normal Virginia. <laughs> I thought I heard that word. I was like, what? I, I know from West Virginia, no. <laughs> no, so it all started when YouTube came out. So I'm 25 years old. And when I was in about sixth grade, I think that's when YouTube started coming out. And all these videos would just pop up and, you know, I would watch them. And I was like, you know, what is this? Like, how are people putting content on here? How is this like a thing? And I was very intrigued by it. I would go and, you know, I'm watching Adult Swim or Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network or whatever anime, and I'm seeing YouTube videos of all my favorite shows and people making them, but I had no idea how they were making it. And then one time I just put a comment and I said, hey, how did you make this? And then the uploader responded and they said they used their computer video editing software. And so since then, literally since sixth grade until now, I've just been like editing, I was editing uh, videos in my spare time when I went home, putting them online. Um, I remember my first video, it was like some show I was watching and then I got like a comment and I was like, oh, I got a comment. And I checked the comment and they were like, man, this video sucks, it's trash, like this is so whack. And I was like, oh, 
I was like so hurt. I'm like in sixth grade, I think, you know? And I was like, man, like I could have, I could have taken that, taken that moment to just be like, okay, I'm kind of done with this and I'm embarrassed. But I was like, you know, I want to try again and try to get a different response. And so I kept making videos in my spare time more and more. And then started getting better reviews and really um, tried to perfect it. It was, it was something like a, like a challenge to me where I really wanted it to be uh, respected and I really wanted it to be good. You know, I'm learning editing, I'm learning little effects and titles and what looks clean and what doesn't look clean. And so it was my, it's been my hobby and my passion since then. And in high school, I was very mediocre, a very much an average student. I am a person where like, if I'm not 100% in, I can't fake it at all. And so history was terrible, science was bad, math was bad. I just like breezed by with like C average, like my whole high school and middle school. And all my friends started to apply for college and got accepted to like law things or engineer things or this and that, all these cool things. And I had no idea what I was really good at, but I didn't see that what I was doing at home was an actual thing to put on the table as a career. You know what I mean? It kind of felt like just that hobby. But I think the whole thing about being an artist is that a hobby is a legitimate choice for you. And so I stopped trying to make excuses for myself and decided that, you know, I love editing videos. I make them all the time. It's what I'm thinking about when I'm bored in my math class, when I go home to uh, make a video or watch a movie um, and be inspired. And so, that was when I made the decision to go to art school. Wow. And coming from Virginia and going to Chicago, right? What, why, why, why there first, right? Maybe like, why not New York? Why, you know, not LA or California? You know what I'm saying? So why right. Chicago specifically? Right. Well, I chose Chicago because New York and LA are huge cities, of course. And there's millions of people trying to do the same exact thing, crawling on top of each other. And that was the mindset that I had and that I had been told. And I thought Chicago was a good middle ground to really be, still have the experience of being in a legitimate top city, but it wasn't oversaturated. Um, and I was able to, I wanted to just make a name for myself in Chicago and then kind of like spread out from there. But I also visited different colleges and just got a feel for it. I liked the diversity that Columbia was offering and the freedom of collaboration between departments. That was a big thing for me. And yeah, I, st I still think I made the best choice that I could for myself. Yeah, it's funny. Go, I, we're kind of similar, like how we started. I started maybe sixth grade-ish, do it where I would like choose the path of doing a video you know, like some assignments they give you, you could write an essay, you could do a skit in class, or you could do yeah. a video. Yeah. And that was around the time where I started always picking video, yeah. uh, somehow exporting it to a cassette tape and bringing the cassette tape. In. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I saw YouTube as the same thing back then. I, I thought, I was like, how do they get the video yeah. up there? Once yeah. I figured out the upload button, I would take like 15 second clips of friends, upload it and be like, dude, don't you get it? Like you're on YouTube. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was like the craziest yeah. thing ever. Um, but yeah, I did a lot of um, video projects for high school 
choosing the video option um, and then went to college for it as well. Did you graduate? Did you finish yeah. it out? Yeah, I did. I finished it out. Because that's the debate now for for video people. Is it worth it? Is it worth finishing? Is it worth skipping? What would your opinion be on that as someone who has graduated? Yeah, that's a very uh, interesting question. I think that there was a point where I was in school and I, I knew that I could leave and not halt any growth. I knew that I could just stop and continue what I needed to do and still have that network. Um, not to really, uh, I mean, Columbia doesn't pay me for anything, but <laughs> Columbia is known for the network beyond the actual, I guess, degree that you get when you walk out. Like I have not shown a single person my degree to be hired for anything. I have it here, it's great. I'm proud to have finished and to complete it. But with, you know, the thousands and thousands of dollars that it costs to go to college, it's hard to really recommend somebody to do that and be in debt when instead I would say maybe put a few grand to some equipment and learn and learn and teach yourself every day. Like YouTube University is a real thing. I learn a lot of things off YouTube and trial and error. And it's really difficult because in film school you have teachers who are teaching you how to make it in the film industry in the 90s. And this industry changes so rapidly that they are outdated. And unless they are really in tune with how content is delivered right now, then you're probably wasting your time or you need to really just, and just check in on where the industry is flowing what cameras people are using, how content is being consumed, like Instagram is becoming people's new portfolio these days. So social media is huge in ways that it was not when, you know, film teachers today may have been successful and have gotten their projects out, things have just changed. So it's tricky, but I think the number one thing is that Columbia and going to college gave me was a network of people that were like-minded for me. It was really important to, you know, I'm in high school and I, I may have made the best video presentation in ninth grade, but when I come to freshman at, at Columbia and I show a film that I think is my bar, I see another student coming from wherever in the world and they make something that kind of embarrasses me. And I'm like, whoa, okay, now like I'm in a whole new realm right now. Or before in high school, nobody did video. I was like one of the few people. So everybody was, oh, that's amazing. But now I'm in a place where people are bred and living and breathing film and cinematography. And so like, it was a really healthy stream of motivation to be around people that were like-minded, but also much better than me. And I needed that. I definitely needed that. I still and always will need that community or people that I look up to that I think that I can reach for. Oh, that's so real. Like to talk about like real world experience versus school experiences. It's the debate that we always have. Right. And like for us, our internship program is all about real world experience and like whether you're a college student or a student of life. Right. Someone who didn't go to school. That's what we try to embrace um, in our program, because I thought like you can learn so much by getting that hands on experience Absolutely. Um, outside of the classroom. 
So for you, what was that real life experience like while at Columbia, right? What were you doing outside of the classroom that was more on trend? What, what was going on, on on social media? So I had a pretty interesting uh, story where freshman year, um, a family friend growing up was a news anchor on Fox. And she asked me if I wanted to be intern at a news station or whatnot. And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? You know, this sounds like a great idea, you know, like just totally didn't matter where it was. I thought, you know, I need an internship anywhere, something, you know? And then I went there to the interview and then they're telling me about everything that's going on. The woman could just totally tell that like by my face, like I wasn't really interested in that. And so they redirected me to somebody else that they knew in Chicago and I, um, basically had an internship internship to be a uh, paparazzi for a celebrity TV company. And so it wasn't like running out of the bushes and chasing people like, like that, but I was a celebrity press where I had to go to uh, concerts and festivals and red carpet events. And I was shooting all these different types of celebrity moments in Chicago. I'm at Lollapalooza, I'm at North Coast Festival, I'm at Spring Awakening. And so I was like thrown in immediately into an environment where you had to produce content and turn it around quickly for TV. And that was a very uh, interesting experience to me where I learned that, you know, I had a, I bought a cam camera called a Canon 5D Mark III and it was great at photo and it was great at photography as well. And so I had to do pictures and photo for the internship and I fell in love with music photography at that point where I'm shooting, like, I remember just shooting, you know, Kid Cudi right on top of the stage and where I'm like in a, a, a pit where all the photographers are and you're all pushing each other and you're like shooting directly up and you can only shoot three songs before they literally kick you out. So once the three songs are over, security like literally has their hands over your camera, they're pushing people out. And that's kind of how my uh, summer went. And it was a very exciting time to really uh, shoot under pressure and really have to learn my camera with no like you know no opportunity for mistake because i had to turn something around for for tv that is crazy and that's freshman year like getting opportunities to shoot at stuff that people wait their whole lives for right so like that really gave you like a huge head start into your career um and transitioning into that space when did you know that you could kind of start to hold your own out there, right? Rather than kind of like interning and, and doing all these things, when did you know like, hey, I got this, like I can do this myself? Right, right. So another opportunity I had, um, I believe it was the end of freshman, early sophomore year. It wasn't an internship, but um, I had basically a student profile that was able to be viewed by different companies within the city. And they just, you know, you have your name, it says, oh, Rel Chalet, I'm a videographer and a photographer, you know, whatever the heck. And a company called out, reached out called Black Hair Magazine. And they gave me my first real paid uh, shoot opportunity. And so I would, you know, came for the interview, I shot the event, I turned around photos, and that was basically the spark of what freelancing became. And so, you know, after being in film school and just having to 
community of friends, I carry my camera around all the time. So they're aware of what I'm doing. And so they ask me to do little videos for themselves or little uh, pieces like photography sessions or whatnot, just for fun, I'm still learning. But I had two friends that were very influential with me that have um, a clothing line and a magazine. And they both were their own brands. They had logos, they had merchandise, and they were just like, the embodiment of their brand. And it was very inspiring to me. And so I really came into Columbia with the idea of like just directing films and being a producer. But to be my own freelance, I didn't really um, consider that, but they pretty much guided me to enter into that world. And, you know, I started getting paid for my work and turning around projects. And you do one good job for one person, they're gonna spread the word and they're gonna see it. The more and more projects came. And by the time I was in, uh, actually when I graduated, like right before I graduated, I decided that I don't have to apply for anybody. I don't have to apply anywhere. Like I can continue to do this full time. And that's what I've been doing. So you, you caught that right at the end of graduation, you're saying that you- Yeah, right, yeah. Right when, you know, a lot of my friends were going to Hollywood and, you know, applying for different production companies and, you know, editing the post houses, I decided to just continue to do my brand and not apply anywhere. Yeah, that's something I, I went into college for video editing and that's something I thought at first was to apply for a job doing video editing for someone. And I don't know if I fully back couple years ago saw that as long-term back then but I definitely don't want to see that as long-term now but one question I had is what is something you wish you knew before you started slash advice you would give to other people younger people trying to get into the film industry right what I wish I knew before I started was if you're going to be a freelancer so what I do, I'm a freelance cinematographer and director with my own production company. My mind is like straight up creative and I love the creativity, obviously, but there's a whole business side that you need to understand for you to like survive out here. If you're just gonna be straight creative, show up and shoot and you know, get people the best product you can, that's great, but there are plenty of ways people can screw you over with money and contracts and um, paying you way beneath your rate. So I think taking a business class, understanding how contracts work, understanding how to negotiate were some things that I should have learned uh, earlier on. I've had a few bumps in the road because of that. I'm definitely still trying to like make sure I'm always locked in in these places when it comes to the business side. So yeah, definitely understanding um, that as a creative, you still have to know how to stand up for yourself when it comes to meetings and negotiations and contracts. No, that's so real. Like, people don't know how it is. Like, you could be a freelancer. I remember at the beginning of my freelance career, we were doing like events and experiential marketing. And I think I did like a fundraiser for like a radio station and they just, 
Like they paid me some, but then they didn't just pay me to end. And there's nobody to police that, right? You're yeah. in there by yourself. So like, if they don't pay you, you gotta go chase them and go get yeah. the money and like show up and pull up to them where, yeah. uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. nobody tells you that. Nobody tells you that's, that's yeah. the life you have to live. You just think it's like, yeah, they're gonna pay me. It's fine. Don't yeah, me. yeah, no, <laughs> no. Gotta learn the hard way sometimes. Definitely. Uh, what? Just so we can get like a scope or our understanding, right? Because a lot of you know students who are trying to figure out their way of maybe freelancing, maybe going, you know, working under somebody. What does a day to day look like for you? And let's talk maybe pre COVID because that's completely different to like post COVID now. Right. So first of all, um, when COVID hit, I was it was definitely slow for about the first two months. But then people started creeping and just kind of like, hey, are you shooting? Like, are you, are you working right now? And, and then um, things kind of picked up and became busier than even last summer, which is really ironic. But I'd say that my day-to-day is first um, getting up and having like a moment to myself first because I'm very much in people's presence all the time. And, focusing on other people's work. So I try to give myself a morning where I'm just like doing me, whether that's just like, you know, just sitting in my kitchen, like taking my time with breakfast or playing the guitar in the morning or just watching something that just is enjoyable to me. And then I'll go and look at any DMs or website emails or look for anybody trying to reach out to shoot. And then just try to make sure I'm always great in communication. If I'm not shooting, I'm definitely editing. I'm actually in my uh, apartment where I have my own home studio set up. So I have like a ton of like colored paper right here that I'll pull down and I'll have people come in and out and do different shoots in here. And then I'll shoot on location at a lot of different places. And then I always try to give myself a time to stop working because as a freelancer, being your own boss, it's very easy to overwork yourself and not clock out. And I think it's very easy to uh, kind of feel the stress of your own dream coming into reality, but you really have to check yourself. So I always try to stop working around like nine o'clock, whether that's like no more emails or whatever, or no more editing, just like to chill and to give myself like a real structure. So definitely uh, shooting a lot, um, editing, and then giving myself off days when I need to, to do things other than uh, what I normally do. Yeah. And you talked a lot about, you talked a little bit about taking some time to yourself, right? And to me, that sounds like, you know, the, I don't say, I don't think it's cliche, but this idea of self-care, right? Yeah. Um, which to me is more of a, a journey and something that you kind of continue to progress and move forward within. Yeah. But, what does self-care mean to you and and maybe what does that look like self-care means to always be in a space and in a room that i chose to be in that i want to be in so even if i am full-time a full-time creative doing what i want to do i still have to be very careful on what projects I take on because a company could say, Hey, I'll pay you $5,000 to shoot this. 
But if it's something that I truly do not care about and I'm doing it for the money and it's a, a stress to me, then it's not worth it for me. I can very much, it's very easy to lose your passion once you learn how to monetize it. And so whether that be a wedding or somebody's baby shower or like some corporate event that's paying a lot, but I'm just really not interested in it. It just goes back to my high school days where I'm like, if I, I don't care, like I, I don't care. So I always want to be very strategic on what projects I take, in, take on. So even if I have a full day, I'm like, oh man, I have like four shoots going on right now. But it's like, oh, but I want to do that one. And I'm excited for this one. And I'm really looking forward to the one at the end of the day. So everything is filled with excitement. I'm not like dreading my, my own career at all. And so it's very important for me to have the projects that fulfill me and keep me inspired with people that respect me and people that I respect as well. So that my, my career is healthy but also to give myself off days. Like sometimes I'll just give myself like a straight week out of a month and I won't do anything, like just straight up nothing. I won't work, I'll, you know, I'll, maybe I'll do things for fun. Like maybe I'll go around and remember why I picked up a camera and shoot things for fun and just do things for me. Or I'll very much like not try to stress about like a sleep schedule. Cause if I'm always thinking about shoots or the next day, the next day, and this project and this project, like video production takes a lot of people, a lot of time and commitment. And so it's easy to just like never shut off. So trying to focus on a very, uh, very, uh, I'd say, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like tight sleep schedule and consistent sleep schedule is something that's very important to me because I'll be like dreading things and just like, not in a negative way, but like, I'm so into the shoots that I'm doing. I want it to be perfect. And there's so many elements that have to be thought of, but I just need to give myself time to really shut my brain off sometimes and just wind down, like watch something that has nothing to do with my project or go for a walk in Grant Park or ride a bike or things that are, are healthy for me. And I'm also in the city of Chicago. I live right downtown right by Grant Park. So I hear the train all the time. I hear sirens all the time. Walk outside, run into a huge protest. So like there's a lot going on in the city consistently. So trying to take time to get away a little bit. You know, it doesn't take long to get out of the city in Chicago. It's not humongous, but there are a lot of pockets where you can find some good nature. Like Michigan is beautiful. So I always try to, um, try to find myself in nature to just like calm. I think that's definitely so important is that that element of like taking time for self, making sure you're able to recharge, right? Because yeah. that's one of the things that in this grind where you're doing it day to day, right. you might not have that time to recharge. You might go like a full month and then you realize, man, I'm yeah. kind of like depressed or I'm in a slump or I can't think of anything creatively. Right. Um, so listening to your body, um, and listening to your mind and how you feel mentally is just so important. Absolutely. So crucial. So crucial. Uh, let's talk a little bit about maybe favorite projects that you've worked on. Uh, maybe that's recently, maybe that's in the past. Um, what, what have been some of your favorite projects? Yeah, so my favorite projects is uh, project is definitely uh, event I created called Shoot with Chalet, which is a open 
well, it's a it's a private shoot, but where I have I book a very big and creative space, and then I invite multiple photographers, cinematographers, models, makeup artists, and stylists, and we all uh, meet up in the middle, and we all shoot in rotation with each other. So I basically read off a big list, and I say this photographer is now shooting with this model, and then ten minutes go by, and then. Uh, I have a DJ, so he kind of just stops the music, everybody meets in the middle, and then everybody kind of walks away with a new model and a new photographer. And the whole point of this event is to show that it doesn't matter what's, uh, how long you've been shooting, what camera you've been shooting with, we're all in the same exact space, using the same exact models. And no matter what you do, your vision is always gonna shine. And it's, it's never gonna be the same as somebody else's. And so I think photographers can be very like divas sometimes, I don't understand, where they can be like, this is mine and I'm not telling you what settings I'm using and I'm not gonna respond to your message, that'll be your question. And it's just really weird. So I just think it's like a really nice space where people can just like be excited to see like when all the photos are done, all the comparisons, like, oh, I never would have thought of that. Oh, I didn't even see that. How did you use this room in this way? And I've done it three times now, we did the last, Last event was in February of this year, where we shot, you guys have seen The Dark Knight before? Have you seen that? So you remember that scene where uh, his bat cave was, where it was like the all white lights on the top, um, and uh, he had like the, the Batmobile and his suit. So you can actually rent that space. Uh, so I found it online and I booked that warehouse. It's called Popsicle Studio. And the whole ceiling is basically a disco. It's all RGB. And we're changing colors throughout the entire day. And just like, it was like one of the most fun like shoots I've done. And after, it was so funny because after that shoot, I was like, you know, this shoot was so great. Everybody was so happy. I brought like most of my Chicago people to LA to shoot that. And afterwards I was like, oh man, like I'm so fulfilled. Like this could be my last shoot of the year and I'll be fine. And then COVID hit the next, <laughs> next month. <laughs> and I meant it though. I was, I was, I was still happy with that, but yeah, that, Shoot with Shalette is definitely my favorite project. That's sick. Yeah, Dark Knight, Chicago City. Yep. <laughs> you got a place for Dark Knight. Always, always, always. I, here's a quick one. What's, what's your favorite camera brand and why is it Sony? What's my favorite camera brand and why is it? Why is it Sony? Why is it Sony? Yeah, I'm joking. But oh, I was about to say, I was like, did I say Sony? <laughs> when did I... <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> what do you shoot with? Oh, I got nervous. So my favorite camera, uh, my favorite camera brand is Canon. I actually have it right here. <laughs> it's my, this is pretty much my go-to. It's my Canon C200. It's a Canon cinema camera. And the reason I love it is because it's so good at making things true to life, whether that be if you understand color grading, um, depending on who's listening. Sometimes it can be tricky to get a certain look that you're getting, but Canon picture profile makes it really simple. And it's really good on skin tones and just giving me an image that was exactly how it looked when I filmed it. The autofocus is incredible. And also a lot of people use a lot of Canon glass with Canon lenses. And so people, already have Canon compatible Canon EF lenses. So when you, you know, upgrade to a cinema camera or whatever, then 
your whole archive of lenses, whether you were shooting on a DSLR or even a Sony or whatnot, there it was pretty much compatible to everything that I needed. And it's been great and I love it. And yeah, I'd say Canon for video for sure. But I do actually love the Sony A7R three for photography. That's what I use for a lot, for sure. Yeah, I was just joking when I asked him. I mean, I wanted to hear what you did, but yeah. I just hearing the brand loyalty, like why people like, why do you like iPhone? Why do you like Android? I don't know. That's entertaining. Yeah, no, that's, that's, funny. Amazing. No, that's funny, man. Sweet. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Um, for me, I think one thing that's always interesting is like looking back at your career, right? Looking back at the work you've done. Um, and, and we always ask, you know, I think it's, it's not cheesy, but it's real too, right? Like your younger self, right? What would you, what kind of advice would you give to that younger self, right? Or that person who's trying to figure it out, right? They might be a little discouraged. Like for me, I, I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, did not know experiential marketing was a thing that you could make a living off of this entertainment industry. So like for those people who have not, who aren't in that space and can't understand that yet, what advice would you give to them to kind of progress and move forward and push their career? Mm. Great question. I think the biggest thing that I would tell myself was to never be afraid to pitch myself to any brand. I know people say like, oh man, like I love Nike or I love Adidas or I love I love like um, this TV show and they kind of separate themselves from ever having a chance to work with that brand or to be in a position to collaborate with that brand. And I got into a large habit of just taking the clients that came my way and taking the products that I came my way. And I kind of accepted that as like, okay, this is what's coming. But there's a huge element of pitching that I had not utilized at all where it's sending an email or watching a, watching a commercial and finding out who directed that or who produced it or what co production company it came from. And then trying to find that person's email to communicate with them, hey, this is who I am, this is what I do. I can contribute this, I would love to do this. And people are on their phones all day long. They see these messages come in. Even now during like COVID, people, you know, executives are just chilling at home, looking at their DMs, like they're, they're gonna see it. And now you can reach anybody from your phone these days. And so I think a big thing I definitely should have done was to not think that, oh man, well like this wedding, you know, I'm only getting wedding gigs, you know, as a, you know, a sophomore or whatnot. So I'm just gonna take that. But the brands that I'm going home and watching on TV or YouTube are also in a position where they would like to actually hire me for something. But if I don't pitch them, then they're not just gonna actually find me. So I think it's really going out and reaching and not selling yourself short on what's just being brought to you. No, that is, that's great advice, right? I, I think we think that a lot of these, like we think there's so much space between us and these brands and it's really not that much space, right? Yeah. It actually might be a person that follows you on Instagram that actually seen a lot of your work, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that's why it's another thing. And, and I think, you know, this is a good place to kind of end things, but like, let's talk a little bit about how impactful social media is for you, right? Because 
I know a lot of the times for us, I'm always posting on my personal page about the work that we're doing, and that's helped me to get multiple opportunities with agencies and people that I didn't even know who works at these agencies. Right. So, like, um, how do you utilize social media? Right. Well, I think social media is how you found me, unless we had a mutual uh, connection. But uh, uh, Instagram, like I said earlier, Instagram is the new portfolio. Like, yes, it's always important to have a website. Tag yourself on, have people tag you in the work they post about you. But Instagram has been probably one of the easiest, probably one of the largest ways that my network has expanded and I've been able to be discovered anywhere. I, I literally put um, hashtag Chicago photographer and that's it. And people will find me and uh, reach out to me and book me or hashtag director, or I'll go to a different city and do hashtag Tokyo photographer, and then people find me and we work together. But what's important is that utilizing social media, especially with something like Instagram, where what's on Instagram, just pictures, you know, it's not Twitter, where it's, you know, statements. Instagram is all visual. So when I, when I shoot, if I shoot something for one person, and they have, let's say they only have 500 followers. That's 500 people that now know who I am or know, know where the work came from. And so once I shoot for all these people and all these people and it keeps growing and growing, all their Instagrams, it becomes this massive web that always comes back to me if I have that tag in there, of course. So utilizing it is, is just crucial. Like I, um, there's a whole thing where like photographers get upset where like you do a whole shoot and they won't tag you or give you credit. And people who are models or whatnot may not understand like, oh, I already paid you for the work. Like, you know, I respect your work, but like they may forget to tag you. But if you forget to tag somebody like, for example, a lot of celebrities like Travis Scott, I think he's really good at like posting pics that he just finds that, you know, people have taken of him. But in the comments, you'll see hey, this is my bro's work, like tag him, tag him, you know, because it's a huge deal. Like Travis Scott has how many, like millions, millions of Instagram followers that could know who this guy is. But if you don't, then it just kind of gets lost. So it's always about keeping your brand solid. And I always ask people who are learning about branding through social media, I ask them, you know, if, if you were to look at your own Instagram or your own Twitter or your own website, like what does it look like? Like, who are you on there? How important is this random picture you took of, you know, your French fries at lunch versus, you know, actual creative work that, that you do? Because when people see it, what are they identifying it as? And how can you look your best in every single way? And so I post the work that I want to be hired for. So it's more rare for someone to pull me out of my element where they see something I already made that I already can do. And they say, oh, this is my reference. Like I want something like that or something like this. And then that starts to create my style and create my brand and create the kind of work that again, that I wanna be hired for. So social media is crucial. I don't think anybody who has a brand or wants to be found in this world for anything should have a private Instagram. I think they should post the work, not be afraid to post work that may not be their best because you can't get critique unless you put things out there. So 
I think that uh, it's, it's so crucial and very important for uh, building a network. One thing to add on that, was it very easy for you to get Shalette as your, like, to go by, I'm assuming that's your handle, correct? Yeah, yeah. It was actually Maybe pretty or did, did you struggle to get it? No, I've, I've had it since high school. I've actually never once changed my Instagram name. Really? Yeah, because yeah. I was just talking to someone yesterday about how I want my last name as my Instagram name. Uh, it doesn't, I wouldn't say it sound, it flows like as good as Shalette, but uh, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a big name where my family's from. And yeah. Own it. That, that's who you are. Do it. I think but someone has it though. So I got to try to figure out a way to get it. Are they using it? Is it active? It's dead. No, it's dead. Well, then you should accounts um, like Twitter and Instagram. They'll like take that out for you if they, if you kind of like appeal it or whatnot, but definitely fight for it and get it. I want it. <laughs> Well, I do want to thank you, Shalette, for taking the time out of your Friday to chat with us. Absolutely. Um, thank you. And share your your jewels that you drop for not only us, but the listeners of, of our podcast as well. So um, what we like to do is we always like to give people a round of applause. That's what we do virtually to show love out here. That's how we got to get it. Um, but where can people find you? Uh, if they're looking to, you know, chat with you, connect with you, learn a little bit more about your story or book you. Yeah, definitely. So all my work and everything that I do is found on my Instagram, which is Shalette, C-H-O-L-L-E-T-T-E. Or you can email me at orel at shalette.com. And that's how you can book me or shalette.com to kind of see more of the work that I do. I'm very responsive to everybody. So please reach out and I'll be there. Shalette, what are, what are you listening to? Because, you know, I'm sure there's times and, and, and time for you now, really, where you can kind of like maybe hang out a little bit, relax a little bit, not be out and about all the time. But what have you been listening to? My go-to is Sir. Do you guys know Sir? Mm-hmm. So from TDE, um, his tiny desk, I listen to like almost every single day. His albums are so good. I think he's just been, he's like, He's so talented to me. He has all the type of like vibes that I go for, like when I want to just like kind of, you know, chill out and listen to music. I love his sound. He comes from the church and his whole family kind of sings with him as well. Like he did his tiny desk. His mom was singing background for him and his brother was there too. It was like such like a wholesome, like artist to witness and listen to. So I just love Sir. Sir is the guy I'm listening to right now. Wow, I didn't even know that. I yeah, saw check it out. I gotta check it out. Cause I got introduced to Sir. I don't know if you remember when Red Bull did those like super cheap concerts um yes. all around the city of Chicago. Yes. And he was opening up for Daniel Caesar. Um and that's when I got introduced to him and I was like, Oh yeah, this guy's dope. And that was before I think he even got signed to T D E. Yeah. So that was really, really dope. And I was like, yeah. Yo, gotta yeah. check him out. Nice. nice. What are you what are you listening to right now? Maybe an artist, maybe it's a few songs, Matt. Well, since coming home, I've been playing piano. So I've been re-listening to a lot of old songs that just are great on piano. So either just songs that I potentially want to play or songs that I've already learned in the last month I've been home. So I've learned All the Lights by Kanye on piano, Rockstar by DaBaby on piano, um, Runaway, what else? Travis Scott's Highest in the Room, 
which sounds I think sounds sick on piano. Uh, but like new songs, new artists, or I haven't listened to much music honestly since moving. Besides that, besides like intending to learn on piano. Ah, no, no, no. I always catch it on Instagram. Like I'm just out here creating nonstop. Um, gotta love it. Gotta love it. Thank you all for listening um, to have a map where we talk all things career and hear about some dope people. Uh, we are out. Skr, skr. <laughs>